the, the handle and the, the shower head. That's actually uh, a nice steady stream. But when we use the giant disc, like the dish of a shower head, um, that thing is just, it's like blowing the bottles off of the shower rack behind me. <laughs> and it hits the back wall so hard that even when I close the curtain, it's like getting mist water on the ground outside of the shower. So I just prefer not to use that one. But Brenda loves it. And she's like, why do you keep switching the uh, the shower settings? And I'm like, because I don't, I, I like my skin. You come, out, you come out of the shower looking like, uh, what's his face from Captain America, Red Skull or whatever? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Brenda's just like, what the hell? I'm like, what happened? What's going on? I'm just like all nonchalant about it. I'm like at work and my face is all bloody looking. I know. And, but, well, no skin, but just bone. Muscle yeah. Bone. But I'll tell you, I mean, that was a great investment though. Honestly. If nothing else, um, the only thing I, mean, I like about, about the shower head, right? The shower head. <laughs> no, actually, I hated that one. Was it first Avenger? Hated that. I know movie. it wasn't that. Yeah, it was, it was just an origin story. But Winter Soldier was the shit, though. Of course. But um, yeah, the the shower head. I the old one that we we're using. The only thing I liked about that one was that it it had the temperature uh, visual. So it was blue if right. it's cold, uh, green if it's warm, and then red if it's hot. But when that the shower nice. the, the water pressure would get too low, the shower head itself would start just screeching. And that's just going on in the early morning when I'm like getting ready for work and Brenda's still sleeping. And so, um, I mean, we've tried different things. Like we've tried uh, switching the settings like to maybe like more concentrated stream or maybe uh, to something that's that's more like a mist. It, it, it still does the same thing no matter what. So uh, we, we got this uh, different shower head. And it doesn't have any of the fancy temperature visuals or anything like that, but it doesn't screech. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> That's always a plus. Yeah. Shower heads minus the banshee setting. <laughs> yeah, my ears aren't bleeding, so that's that's always a plus. <laughs> your skin's melting off, but your ears aren't bleeding, so hey. <laughs> so what do you say? Is it time to get into it? Sure. What's up, guys? Welcome to Afflictionados Podcast, Episode 2. I mean, as you can see, you know, we're, we're making pretty good progress so far. We're, we have one in the books, and uh, I, if I say so myself, I think we're making uh, some good headway here. So I got my red solo cup. My name is Eric, and the other voice occupying your head this time is my sister, Stephanie. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and this is a monthly a podcast bit. where we mainly talk about films that we think are intriguing, engaging. Um, I don't remember what all I said the first time. Thought-provoking, terrible, or otherwise just entertaining to us. Um, we may also slip in some TV shows here and there. So hint, hint, wink, wink for the near future. Needless to say, we will be getting into spoilers here. So you have been warned. And we do condone foul language. Freak, yeah. Sorry, I'm a mom. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I mean, not a whole lot of cussing from you. Your kids aren't going to be allowed we'll to see. listen to this for a while. We'll see. I, I mean, you know, before kids, I had the mouth of a sailor. But lately, uh, you know, after Julian spent a day calling my husband stupid. Oh, what? when did that happen? That I really need to watch what I'm saying. I, 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 was just, I was just messing around. I just called Andrew stupid or something. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, the rest of the day... Julian was like, "Yeah, skimmed it," and I was like, "All right, so I really gotta watch my mouth." Now. Dang, yeah. High five to Julian. <laughs> right. Whatever yeah. So I'll, I'll drop a, I'll drop a, an S bomb or something here and there, and hope he didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just let me know. You, you should write it down. You should uh, write down the timestamp, and then I'll, I'll just edit your stuff out. But all my stuff will still be in there. So it, yeah. 
it'll make a big difference. <laughs> so if you ain't ready, get ready, because in today's episode, we will be covering Toy Story. Toy fucking story. Yeah, maybe this is this should be more of a children-friendly. It's weird to say toy fucking story. <laughs> You know what? Like I said, I mean, I've already cussed, um, you know, in before the intro and everything, and I'm yeah, probably going to be dropping a lot of stuff later on as well. Oh, I know. So just because it's the the subject matter is kid friendly, I don't. I mean, you know, this this podcast itself, people people it's need not. to realize what they're getting into, and that's why I throw that little disclaimer yeah. at the, the beginning. We do condone yeah. foul language, and we will be getting into spoilers. So that way, you know, definitely. If what people get butt hurt, that's on them. It's a, it's, a, it's yeah. a personal problem at that point. I got it. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know about you, but I am super excited to talk about Toy Story. This movie it it had a big impact on me when I was younger, and I just had a blast watching it. I was I was so into this movie growing up. How yeah, about you? It's a, it's a not only is it a great movie. I mean, of course, it had an impact on me ever since that movie came out in what nineteen ninety five. I have not once stopped thinking about for a single second of every single day of my life if I am hurting living inanimate objects. Really? Do you feel like they're they are actually watching you? Like do you um if if there's like a toy on the shelf that's like looking at you, you just kinda like turn it away or like put it in a drawer I mean, or something? No. No, but every once in a while I'll just be like or maybe like every every second of every day. I'll just I'll just be like, hmm, maybe I should hmm, I wonder if they're I wonder if you know what I'm doing. I wonder if that that uh, nutcracker and bobblehead chicken over there that you know, <laughs> no, no, what's going on? I'll tell you one thing. I do feel bad if um I break a limb off a toy or something. I'm like, oh yeah. man, they're like, like an amputee if now. See, if I see a stuffed animal on the side of the road that like a kid dropped out of their car or something like that, I'm like, man. Or if uh, we bring home a, a plush toy for for the dogs and then they just rip it up and oh, I, I think yeah. instinctually what they Part of the fun is just getting to like the squeaker, which I always consider to be the heart of the toy. And then um, they have to get through all the stuffing and stuff. So that's, you know, like the innards. <clears throat> oh my man, that, yeah. that's savage. And I, I just imagine like that's kind of what like wolves would be doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Almost they take down their prey. It's a very instinctual situation yeah. going on there. Yeah. I mean, I was like six when this movie came out. So I would say, I think I was the prime target audience for this movie yeah. this movie was tailor-made for my age group i would say or around there like give or take a couple yeah. years though i do you know i do get more of the adult jokes obviously oh yes that was that was one of the things that i really enjoyed going back and watching was there were so many jokes that i didn't get before or it just like flew right over my head right i'm just like nah, eh, whatever i didn't i didn't really get that but i don't really care um, but yeah, going back, I was chuckling a lot more than I remember. Like this movie is, is hilarious. I love it. It is. Uh, I mean, outside of the movie, did you have a favorite toy around that time that you remember? Or like, uh, do you have like a favorite toy just overall that you, you always cherished? Man, I think when I was that age, I was super into my Barbies. Obviously those didn't really feature in that movie at all. And of course, you know, there weren't, there weren't many, um, quote-unquote, female, I guess, toys in there since mm. Andy's a little boy. And Molly's in there, of course, but she's just a little baby, and her only possession was Bo Peep. Um, <laughs> was that her? I thought that was just like a lamp. Well, Bo Peep was part of the lamp, 
And they get into that in, you know, four or whatever. Oh, but gotcha. Bo Peep was Molly's lamp. And the funny thing is, like, I never really got how Bo Peep was in there, too. She was Molly's. But, you know, rewatching it and actually paying attention, um, I realized that Molly is actually in Andy's room. Yeah, no. In Andy's oh, room with him. So you mean, you mean like, in the intro, like, her crib was located in, in, in Andy's, Andy's room? Exactly. Yeah, so that, that made no damn sense to me. Why would if I was Andy, I would have I would have objected to that decision a long time ago. I'm like, Trust hell me, Andy no. did not have a say in it. When we were in our old house before we moved into our new house, uh-huh. um, Anna was going to end up in Julian's room once she was done being oh, in our dude. room, and they were going to have to share a room. He so. would hate her. <laughs> they, they would have kept each other up all the time. Yeah. Because the, yeah, the way they are now, and that's what I'm saying. How did Molly not keep Andy up? But I know people share yeah. rooms. I mean, kids share rooms all the time. So is it is it true? You know, they make that, it work. Yeah. Well, I, I just figure for parents, it it it's easier, I would say, quote unquote, to to have it just in the master bedroom because you know when she wakes up, inevitably wakes up in the middle of the night, you can just walk over. You don't have to like walk through down the hallway to another bedroom, and then now you got another kid that's yeah. up and well, crying. They, and yeah, they actually. Yeah, they, rec- they actually recommend that you, you keep your kid in your room with you for, like, the mm-hmm. first, I don't know, six months or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And we did, and it is easier because they're just right there when you need to get up and do a middle-of-the-night feeding. Yeah. Um, and we did with Julian, but he actually ended up in his room at four months, and Anna um, wasn't in her own room until we moved, so that was, like, ten months just because... Yeah. At some point, we were going to put her in Julian's room, but when we realized that we were moving, we're like, well, we might as well just keep her here. There's no point in dismantling her crib because it didn't fit through the doorway. Gotcha. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what was, what would be my toy that I was, like, super into? Uh, definitely my Transformers. Yeah. Uh, spe- specifically Beast Wars, I think, because. Yeah. We still although, have them. Although, I would say, I would say the, um, the original Transformers, like the Autobots and Decepticons, mm-hmm. like. Those were cooler ideas, and looking back. Uh, but, you know, I think it was a little bit before my time, because that was Transformers was, what, like, late 80s or something? So I, I could, couldn't really get into them or appreciate them until, you know, a few years down the line. So by that point, it would be early 90s, and yeah. Beast Wars was out. So I was really into Beast Wars. But it's just the engineering that goes into designing Transformers toys it was are so cool. I think I I like your Transformers more than my toys because they're they're like puzzles. You know, you have to yeah. figure out how to like untransform them from whatever uh, default state they're in, which is usually I think uh, with Beast Wars it's like an animal state, yeah. and then so you got to like change them into the robot and without breaking them, which was kind of a challenge sometimes. That's all you know. I remember I feel, when I actually broke one years on Christmas morning? Snap off the arm. Yeah, you can't force those toys. It's Sometimes you gotta, you're like, all right, so am I, should I push this further? I don't know. But at the same time, I mean, it's a toy, so it's gotta be somewhat durable, you know? You'd expect it to be. Did you say you you ended up watching uh, Toy Story with, with the family? Like, everyone? No, I actually watched it at work. Oh, at work. Gotcha, yeah. I'll, don't worry, I'll edit that out just in case there's anyone from work that listens to this. Nobody will care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, the, well, the reason why I ask is because, you know, I, you know, I got him that uh, Buzz Lightyear toy and I was just thinking, man, Aww. I would have loved to have that toy. I, I don't think that they even had a legitimate version. I think they had like a, a, a dumb, like toned down version of Buzz where it's like his arms and legs would move, but like he didn't have any of the features 
presented in the movie. Well, the, the, yeah, but now it seems like the, even the toys were ahead of their time in the movie, huh? Exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> I know it's supposed to be a playoff of like what a normal kid would go through around that time. And it's like, oh yeah, I got these like these really um, like basic, simple toys that uh, invoked my imagination. And then now I have these toys that do all these things, and I don't have to imagine as much. It, it actually does all that stuff on its own. So, you know, it's like I don't have to, like, make a voice for him. Like, he has all the buttons and he says all, all the, the things, all the catchphrases and whatnot. And this one actually does that. So, you know, it's it's like an open-faced box. And I was, like, testing out some of the buttons. And I'm like, man, it's so awesome. It's like a legit real-life version. Wow, I think even life-size so cool. to how roughly what he would be in the movie uh, compared to Andy. Like, I think that's about how, how big uh, Buzz is. What you think of... Uh, <laughs> randy newman i i know you you sent me that photo where you're listening to <laughs> randy in the car yeah that that song came on the disney channel i was listening to in the car and uh were you singing along i think i think of course i think um you know if if it wasn't with the movie i, I probably wouldn't listen to him but the songs in the movie in the context of the movie are iconic they're you know they're classics you know oh, yeah. you got classics a for sure then we could finally get into this <laughs> all right yeah i don't want to get a flag for copyright so <laughs> just stop <it> right there <laughs> but yeah i also i don't think i would have listened to randy newman either had it not been for toy story because w- w- do you remember what i said to you when uh you sent me that photo what oh no i was like <laughs> yeah despite his dopey sounding voice <laughs> Uh, that the song's actually yeah, pretty catchy. Definitely not our. Yeah, it is very catchy. It's super catchy. Everyone knows that song. Who doesn't know that song? Seriously. Oh, it's yeah. Like you said, it was iconic. It's classic. And as soon as even just that little jingle that I played, that like what five seconds of that song, um, you immediately know what that is. Of course. You know, everyone's heard that song. That I think that says a lot about Randy Newman. Honestly, um, yeah. You know, he's he's got some talent for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of want to do a quick rundown of the cast here because it's got a, an ensemble cast. So, like, and and that also reminds me of uh, other toys we, we may have possibly missed too. So, obviously, you have Tom Hanks as Woody, and I don't even want to go down his list of movies because he's just done so many damn movies. Yeah, everyone knows who Tom Hanks is. So, and I if mean, you don't, then you've been living under a rock. Obviously, exactly. You you have to have been living under a rock. Or you've never seen Toy Story because that was really the only movie worth mentioning that Tom Hanks has done. So <laughs> he's he's kind of gone downhill since then. Yeah, know? forget Forrest Gump. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. He's the cool action figure that, as uh, one of the other characters described him, the Swiss Army Man, right? Yeah, if you were if you were around at all in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's a Swiss Army Allen, knife right? of uh, of toys. Yeah, so that was that was uh, Tim Allen as Buzz, right? And I mean, I only really know him from a couple things. Um, I know him from the Santa Claus, Home Improvement, Santa Claus, of course, there you go. the Santa Claus, that, for me. and then I've Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah, don't forget about that. I know you and yeah, Dad were really into Galaxy Quest. That's hilarious. I completely <laughs> forgot about uh, Mr. Potato Head was uh, Don Rickles, which I I'm myself I'm not too familiar uh, with any of the stuff he's been in. Bo Peep is Annie Potts, which I think she's only been in, she's been in like a bunch of uh, T 
TV shows, like smaller TV show roles. But I think the thing of note with Annie Potts, and here's why I want to bring this up, is because it's actually going to be relevant here pretty soon uh, in the in the next coming months. She's in the Ghostbusters franchise as Janine Melnitz. So that also includes, she's in every single movie, including that all women's one. I think she works like the front desk or something. Yeah. She, I think it might be a slightly different character. I don't, I don't think her name was actually Janine, but I think it's implied that she's playing the same character, but she's going to be in the new one coming out. Ghostbusters. Which looks really good. It looks pretty damn good. So I know I'm actually pretty excited. And then we got a R Lee Ermy as Sergeant. Or Sarge, as uh, I think he's referred to in the movie, which is the uh, he's the, the sergeant of the the army men, the green army men. So I'm I'm sure like everyone has seen those as a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe not so much these days, but for sure back then in the the 90s, those were quintessential toys that kids just had lying around for whatever reason, and they're like glued yeah. to the platform so that way they can stand upright on their own. It seems like every kid had those. But how many kids actually played with them? <laughs> so if you see in the movie, they're only kept in that bin. I don't think Andy ever brings them out. So they only come out to do missions, it seems like. So Arlie Ermy, he's everyone like anyone that has ever seen some sort of like military movie in the nineties knows who the hell Arlie Ermy is. Like he's oh, the yeah? legit military veteran. And he was an actual gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. So wow. um, I think he, he first came to prominence. The, the movie that everyone knows him for is Full Metal Jacket. And I think he was originally brought on to that movie b- to train the sergeant mm-hmm. role uh, for, for an actual trained actor. But he was so good as a, uh, a drill sergeant that they're like, you know what? We're just going to hire you because no one's going to be more legit than an actual like real life drill sergeant, you know, that has had experience and has actually served. So yeah, he ended up being cast as Hartman in full metal jacket. So I thought that was pretty that's cool. Really cool. Yeah. That is, that is pretty cool. I mean, and a that couple was, other things. That's uh, definitely uh, not my uh, genre of movie. So I, I didn't really know anything about this guy. I'm, right, I'm glad I right. learned something today. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't see like a ton of stuff with him, but, um, I've seen seven. He plays a police captain in the movie seven with Brad Pitt. Oh, right? I have seen seven. <laughs> and, um, I think another thing a little bit more recent is, uh, in the house TV series, he was actually house's father. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I oh, mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really into house myself, but, um, I did. I've seen it, all of house. So yeah. And I, I know it was insanely popular, and yeah. um, I, I figured you may have, uh, you you might be able to get a visual now. Of course, yeah. you know that was that was uh, Ermy a little bit further down the line, so he was he was pretty old when he was in house. But I feel like I heard, and I could be mistaken; it might be somebody else. But I feel like I heard that Danny Trejo had a similar similar story of how he kind of got into the business. Oh, did he? I almost thought you were going to say Danny Trejo was almost cast as House's father, but then Arlie Ernie <laughs> ended up getting the role. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, I think, I think they made a good choice <laughs> going with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you got uh, Jim Varney as Slinky Dog or Slink. I think he is mostly referred to in the movie. Yeah. And he's basically, I've never seen this toy in my life, but it's basically just a slinky 
but with like a with dog, dog front and a dog ass <laughs> glued to each <laughs> each end of the slinky, and then that's it. So this because most most people that have ever experienced a slinky, it's it's just the 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 metal part by itself, right? And then there's nothing attached at either end, and you can flip it either way. And the cool thing to always try to get to do was like throw it down some stairs, you know, and see yeah. if they'll actually like continue. Uh, it would carry the momentum all the way through. He did a really good job of incorporating mm-hmm. many toys into his imaginative play, which was great. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so Jim Varney, he he's I think best known other than Slink as being Ernest in those Ernest movies. Good point. And- because to me, he's best known. For being, isn't he the principal in in a Goofy movie? Am I wrong? No, I think I think that's a different. That's Wallace Shawn, and we'll, we'll get to him in a second. But I was just saying, like, oh, did, you're right. Oh yeah, we're talking about. Oh, we're talking about Sleek right now. Jim yeah. Varney. So he, he played Rex. <clears throat> but yeah, I guess uh, now we can, can get into Wallace Shawn as Rex, the go. the plastic <laughs> uh, green T Rex toy. Yeah, that so, dude. That dude. He has a very distinct voice, and he, he has was, a super distinct I mean, voice. He, to me, he, I always, you know, I always hear that voice and I just straight up think the 90s. He was everywhere playing all kinds of various, you know, nerdy adult characters kind of thing. Yeah, because he, he, like you said, he kind of has like the higher pitch, like nerdy sounding voice. And But yet, you know, it's, I think that's what played into Rex's personality was like he wasn't intimidating at all. Like he, looks wise, um, I think out of all the toys that Andy had, he may have been one of the more intimidating looking ones, but like coupled with that voice, you're like, how can anyone really be intimidated by that? You know, that's probably the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he, he played similar characters uh, in a lot of his other stuff. Like for me, one of the things I always remembered him for is the clueless film and TV show. That's true. And so he was the instructor. I think he, he just played the same character uh, in both. He just kind of carried the yeah. rollover, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually a big fan of the Clueless movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. That's a great movie. He's also pretty timid and kind of shy. And aren't they trying to set him up with like another teacher in that movie? That's like yeah. one of the subplots. And they they succeed because that's that's their wedding at the end of the movie. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. But um, yeah, he I mean he does he again like I said he does the principal in the Goofy movie, which uh, is one of my freaking favorite movies of all time. Oh yeah, and. Uh, same exact voice. I almost want to say it's like it might even be the same character. It just seems like he kind of plays similar characters all, all the way through. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm I'm thinking that if um if there was a a dinosaur movie and Rex was an actual dinosaur, he would have been the principal of the the, the dinosaur school or teacher or something. He has that, the voice to match the arms. That would be a funny enough. funny throwback to Toy Story. So he's like, not only is he a T Rex, but he's also like. Uh, an instructor as well. He also was in The Incredibles. Do you remember who he was in The Incredibles? No. He was after the... Again, spoilers. If you haven't seen Incredibles, go watch that movie because that movie is incredible. Um, Right. But when when the superhero family, The Incredibles, are no longer able to do superhero roles, they have to pick up regular jobs to pay the bills, right? So that's that's Mr. Incredible's boss in that office job. Yeah. Um, and, of he, course. and again, he's he's not an intimidating character. He's like that super tiny in stature compared to Mr. Incredible, who is he seems like he's like eight feet tall compared to everyone else. <laughs> so obviously he makes everyone look small, but um, he looks like he's like eight feet and like 500 pounds of just 
pure muscle. Yeah. But uh, well, with a slight beer belly, I imagine. But um, yeah, his it's boss just, is just lucky in that office job. <laughs> yeah, he was already like, it's not even just, like a dad bod, it's a cubicle bod. He could like barely fit in that cubicle to begin with. Yeah, and then so he like hates it, the job is just like so unfulfilling. He's bored out of his mind, and then you got that that quintessential um, stereotypical boss that everyone hates, you know, and he's always just nagging and just talking down to him or whatever. And then he doesn't he eventually like punch him or like throw him through a wall or something in that movie. I don't remember. Either way, he, he puts him in his place. And yeah. I think that's when that's when that boss character he's like, Oh shit, I'm yeah, I'm never gonna say anything to him again. Yeah. But uh, continuing <laughs> on, we got John Ratzenberger as Ham. Um I'm not sure exactly a whole lot of other stuff, but he's actually been in a couple other Disney movies, Disney Pixar movies. Yeah. So he was in Monsters Inc. as the Yeti. He was the underminer in Incredibles. Uh, oh, so yeah. At the very, very end of the movie, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so his, his voice, too, I think kind of similar to Wallace Shawn. Is, uh, he has a, a pretty distinct voice. And yeah. uh, what, I, what I appreciate about him was he's quite literally just a piggy bank. So he's not even really a toy. He's just a means of storing spare change for the future. <laughs> and yeah, Andy finds use for him. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the only other uh, cast member I want to cover really quick was uh, Eric Von Denton, who plays Sid, the uh, delinquent, like, troublesome kid next door to Andy. And uh, he, he just loves torturing toys. To him, toys don't, don't mean anything, and they don't. there's no sentimental value. I feel like no, and it might actually that might be just a, an extension of him being a psychopath later on because you know typically psychopaths start with what like insects they'll like torture insects and then they'll move on to like little animals and then like pets and then eventually humans right that's isn't that usually mm-hmm. how the cycle goes roughly I think he's starting off with like insects to like toys and then eventually to people. The question like, is does he does he keep torturing the toys after they try to scare it out of them? No, I I like to think they didn't, but um, he turned I mean, around. I, he's he's a he's a model child now. Exactly. I like to imagine that they just completely turned him around. He's more innocent and straight laced than Andy. <laughs> you know, get, going to going to school and getting a good job and lives a good life now. Oh yeah, exactly. I think he actually pops up in the other Toy Story movies, but I mean we're just covering Toy Story one here, so I'm sure yeah. we can get to those at some point. I like to think that after after that whole the climax of the movie, then he learns his lesson. Especially because I, I mean that's creepy. Like if if that were to actually happen, and you find out that the toy's always watching you. I know, obviously. I mean, as a kid, you're just like, wow, this kid's you know a bully or whatever. But yeah. as an adult, I'm just like that kid was definitely going to end up being a serial killer one day. Mm-hmm. And not 100%. to mention, who was funding his uh, explosive hobby? I'm sure he was stealing money from his parents because obviously they weren't very present and here's another and they question. probably didn't even notice <laughs> how was he ordering them because they were coming in the mail so he was he like calling it in and he doesn't have an adult sounding voice you know he's like barely hitting puberty from what i could well, tell you know, back so. then they probably had catalog they probably had magazines with like an order form on the inside and it, so he, he probably, would need to he would need to steal like credit card information yeah which probably wasn't hard for him he probably he that little delinquent probably knew how to go like that so what was interesting about Toy Story was that I don't think this was like the first major feature film, completely computer animation. And it was it was I think it just 
it, it was kind of a game changer in a lot of ways for for um, animation and for films in general because so Toy Story was the first movie, the first major movie by Pixar Animation Studios, right? In collaboration mm-hmm. with Disney. It was also, I don't know if it was the, the actual first one to be computer animated all the way through, but I think it was the first successful one that actually like made money. Oh, really? From was being, there one before that? Um, not from Pixar, but I, like I was saying, I don't, I don't know if this was the only one in history at that time, but uh-huh. it was the only one that was actually successful. And that's what I thought was was Boy, was, was in, pretty impressive with Pixar because this is their first major outing, um, doing something that wasn't really well known. That you know, this is uh, like the Wild West in terms of um, like what what's already out there, you know. And they had to pave the way. They're, that would be the trendsetters. It's not like they didn't have the pedigree because Pixar actually began as a division of Lucasfilm. You know, they they've been around production for a while, and I, I think. If I recall, if they were with Lucasfilms, they they're probably involved with like Industrial Light and Magic and all that, you know, doing like special effects because Industrial Light and Magic was the go-to studio for special effects. And then uh, what was cool was Pixar splitting from Lucasfilms was so they went independent or they I think as they're going independent, they needed some funding. You know, they wanted some investors, and that's when Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple, and then he started mm-hmm. Next. And so he actually funded a lot of his money, like several million dollars uh, for Pixar. And so he, he had a seat on the board. And I think he, if wow. I recall, he had a seat on their board until he died in 2011. That's crazy. I had no idea he was involved in that. Yeah. That just goes to show you, like, Steve Jobs was a genius because it seems like in, anything he was involved in was just, it was great in some way. Clearly. Even Next, I think, was bought out by Apple. And the stuff that they were working on was it, it had the, the the building blocks for the Apple store, the Apple app store. So, right. But, you know, back to the, back to the little Pixar thing. It's interesting because I think before that, the only you know comparable thing was like claymation. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, and then all of a sudden there was Toy Story and it was just mind blowing. Like how you're saying the, the effects weren't always CGI all the way through from start to finish. It's like live action and they would mix that stuff in there, whether that was hand drawn, whether that was claymation or CGI, you know, computer animation, like they, it's usually like embedded in there somehow. And then to think that they made a movie entirely just computer animation was pretty impressive. And it was, it made the money like tenfold, you know, part of the, the challenge with doing a movie entirely CGI is the, the post-production cost is really high. So it's like insanely yeah. expensive. And at that time, it was a huge gamble because that at that time, Disney was still doing the hand-drawn animations. And that was, they're making bank on that, you know, okay. money hand and fist. was starting to get old. Because I think it was actually, starting to get dated. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I read this big, long thing recently-ish about Amber's New Groove. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a whole fun story in itself. But um, one of the things they're talking about was that they always had this same formula that they're going to, you know, with uh, Little Mermaid and Aladdin and, and, you know, Beauty and the Beast. And, and all these all these movies had a, a pretty similar, you know, Lion King even. Like they had the formula where they had your, your princess and then you had your bad guy. And they always mm. have like a, you know, their bad guy song like Ursula or, you know, Scar would be prepared and stuff like that. <laughs> and then. There's always uh, there's some sort of conflict, and then everyone's saved and everything's good and stuff. So 
Yeah. Um, they're, they're talking about trying to break out of that and how mm. Emperor's New Group was actually starting to follow that formula. And then they were. Oh, you can tell. Being able to you can tell, too, watching it. Yeah, they ended it, up being it feels able to different. break out of that and it became a whole different thing. They actually, yeah. this, I mean, this would be a whole different, whole different uh, episode, I guess, but they actually didn't have a, a script until they started making it pretty much. What? And they're just so, doing all yeah, the fly. It's a it's a pretty crazy story, but um, Dang. I can, you can see that they're trying to break out of that formula yeah. for a while, and and then and how they succeed in doing that, you know, in movies like Toy Story. Right, right, and I, I think in a lot of ways that also that was that was the beginning of the end for the hand-drawn animation which was bittersweet yeah. because i grew up with that i know it's kind of yeah it, i mean it is great to see these movies and even how the the animation of toy story itself how much it's progressed and how how much better it's gotten yeah um over the years that that pixar at disney um 3d animation it, it's it's so interesting to, to think about how that was so cutting edge and how how mind-blowing it was then oh, but yeah. then to watch it now and, and I must say, in my opinion, I feel like the animation holds up. I watched it, and I still thought it was great. I mean, it was, it was great, but there were parts where I was just like, dang. I mean, just the way that they moved and stuff like that, it was oh, like completely yeah. natural, you know what I mean? And it's uh, I feel like they've improved a lot now. Gotcha. Over yeah, the yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, Especially um, teeth. I feel like they still don't have teeth down in yeah. video games and in... You know, that they're, actually they're that's a good point a little bit off like the coloring is always a little bit off it doesn't look natural ever that's it's a good point same. so the the main the main toys that you see throughout the movie i think the detail the attention to detail was on point it was it was mm-hmm. excellent but did you why is it that the toys look great and they they can even recreate these what would essentially be like actual toys that we grew up with but yet why do the humans look so creepy, right? Like, doesn't Molly look super creepy? She looks like a gremlin. <laughs> they, I think a lot of them do, actually. I mean, I felt the same about Andy. I felt the same about Sid. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then even, I actually felt know, like Sid Eddie's was, mom. the fact that he was supposed to be kind of uh, creepy and, and not very, um, like, easy on the eyes, because uh, they even gave him like a big mouth and like you know he was he had full of braces right yeah um, I felt like they that actually made him seem more realistic to me and therefore he didn't seem as creepy looking but like Andy and Molly they were supposed to be yeah they they looked pretty crazy normal and teeth man I'm telling you it's the teeth that probably does it yeah. It's probably another few years before they, they actually make the humans look pretty decent. Like, I think by Toy Story 3, they look all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Toy Story they 1, definitely look a lot better. holy like, shit. And, you know, college-age Andy looks way better than Andy as a child. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, what do you think of the uh, the opener for uh, Toy Story? So, the way that it has the cold open, and then it just goes right into this scenario with Andy playing with his toys and how you were saying with the facades, like how he draws like buildings on the sides of the cardboard boxes and everything. And I, I yeah. love how it just, it takes place in the middle of like some sort of like heist or something, you know, some sort of mission yeah. with his toys. Yeah. And a, he, I think a bank robbery thing going on. Yeah. Who does he have as the, the villain? Is that Mr. Potato head with like a gun in his hand? Like a toy. Yeah, because he or, pops or, off the eye and yeah, he's yeah. like, you're one eyed Willie or one eyed Pete or something. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he has, uh, and and this is the cold open is a perfect example of just the wild imag- imagination that kids have. Yeah. With each character, 
he has them playing these really over the top personalities in this extravagant scenario, you know, and then he has Woody being the, the hero that has to overcome these characters. And they're, they're not exactly what you would, the, the creators of the toys would expect you to use them for. But I of love course. the fact that the kid is able to make them new each time he uses them. You know, he, he gives them a different personality. He puts them in different scenarios different roles. It's interesting because, um, yeah, the, maybe when, you know, toy creators, when they create these toys, they have um, an idea of what they want the kids to do with these toys, or maybe they don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kids can do whatever the heck they want with their toys, and it's funny because there's actually a a place, a commercial for a Frozen place that a couple of years back that, um, that showed that in their commercial, and it was really cute because they, there's a place that... And there's this little girl, you know, showing how all the things that the toy can do, like what you're quote unquote supposed to do with it. Yeah. And then it shows her, you know, just all of a sudden it shows her just banging things around, doing whatever the heck she wants. And then they're like, or oh, you can play with it like that, whatever, you know, it's, it's your toy. You can do what you want with it. Kind oh, of yeah. It's, it's and, not unlike, it's not unlike how you will buy a toy. They take it out of the box and then they play with the box instead of the toy. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> you know? And you're like, well, that's not what it's designed for. It was just a some sort of protective <laughs> vessel. Yeah. So that way you can get to the toy without it being harmed. But it's like now the toy is being ignored and you're just playing with the box. Eventually they'll get to the toy. Yeah. Maybe in a, a year or two. <laughs> did you did you have any uh, favorite characters in the movie? Like any favorite toy? That is a good question. You know what? I, I'm not sure if I had a favorite per se, but I was really, really, really annoyed, you know, when, when they think that he, when they think Woody killed Buzz. Oh, yeah. They're all like, I mean, Woody was their leader for so, so long, and their trusted and they, leader for so, so how, long. How quickly they turned on him? They turned on him so quick, and they would not listen to him, and it was just so frustrating to me. I'm like, how loyal were you ever? I mean, I know mm. that they, they loved and cared about Buzz at that point, but they were just completely deaf to Woody at that point, and... It wasn't until they, they fully saw Buzz, you know, they, they were mm-hmm. just completely Woody's efforts to save him and, and Buzz. And together, it yeah. It was until they fully saw Buzz that they, yeah, together, that they, they finally believed him. Uh, I guess on one hand I get it, but they, on the other hand I was just so frustrated with that all the way up until, I mean, even after they, I, I was like, if I was Woody, I, was, I would probably, you know, have trouble forgiving them or something like that. <laughs> I, so I think there's a, a few oh, different elements that play into that. So... Um, I think it's implied that several months, if not years, go by because over time you start seeing the the Wild West theme shift into a space theme, right, for Buzz. And so I think by that point, that's when they started building their loyalty with Buzz and like maybe they started like um, following less and less uh, Woody's direction. So I think that that may have played a role. And also I get the sense that a lot of the toys are pretty gullible. So when it when Mr. Potohead, who's kind of the instigator, and he's he almost takes up like a leadership role in Buzz and uh, Woody's absence. So since he's so quick to turn on Woody, I think the rest of the toys just kind of follow suit. You know, at least that's mm-hmm. just what I got. Yeah, I definitely don't think it was uh, too many months. Definitely not years, though, because they go from birthday, and at the end of the movie, they show Christmas. And so that was, you know, that was the next time that they're having that scenario with the toys and stuff. So I think it was just mm-hmm. months. And, you know, Andy doesn't age that much. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, probably but, maybe uh, just like a few months. 
But I definitely feel like it's their gullibleness plays a factor for sure. My favorite character, hands down, Buzz Lightyear. I like I said, I wish I had that toy when I was that at that age when I first saw that movie. A, a legit Buzz Lightyear action figure would have been fucking awesome for me. I think I would have been the person that was more into the boxes. You think so? <laughs> yeah, those, those multi-purpose, you know, turn them around and it's a whole different scene box. I, I just love those. I also thought Sarge was was pretty badass because, I mean, just being like such like a legitimate drill sergeant, he played that role perfectly. I, I don't think anyone can deny he was definitely typecast. It was always like the same character yeah. in every role that he was in. That's probably why they got him to do that role. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they even made that role for him. I don't know. But I also but, thought, I thought RC was just awesome. That, that like, so cute. very, very generic, but like very recognizable remote control car design with like the thick treads on the wheels and everything. So you can go off road. It was just so awesome. And in like the sounds, like the, whoever did the sound for the movie was on point. Did you get a sense that Bo Peep was sexualized though in this movie? I I was like, man, she's, she's more sexualized than I remember her being. They definitely did. She was, she was a love interest. She's definitely implying stuff at some point, you know. Yeah, like you over here kind of thing. Yeah, she she's suggestive and she's kind of like the one that's like always like flirting and she she might even be like sexually aggressive then Woody, but there's all you do get the sense that there's some sort of like long relationship that they have between each other. Definitely. And she was she was the most loyal to Woody too. She's the she's one of the you know, the only two that believed him mm-hmm. after he quote unquote killed us. Yeah, that's true. What do you think of uh, the scenario that Andy set up though in that opener? Like how she's the only female toy that he has like in the group, and then so she has to play the damsel in distress. Like, yeah, you know, um, of course, yeah, like the the love interest for for Woody, even which I think is kind of uh, it's kind of hilarious that they really have that relationship. But he Andy also envisions that relationship between them. But here's the question: Do they have that relationship just because Andy made it so? I don't think so because a lot of them, I feel like they, uh, they they're pretty unique and they they have their own personalities and stuff. So I don't I don't think it's influenced necessarily by Andy's imagination. I think there is a politics uh, element that that plays in because Andy uh, prefers Woody early on, uh, and that's like you know his his favorite toy, and everyone recognizes that. I think that that kind of uh, forces him to to be the leader because they know he's kind of bulletproof. He's untouchable. There's nothing they could really do to Woody because then that would devastate Andy. So Woody yeah. always has that power. Also, be, oh, also because Woody, the other toys may come and go, but mm-hmm. Woody supposedly will always be there. Yeah. And so that's kind of another thing that would make him. Yeah. He's bulletproof. Leader I, material, I suppose. Yeah. You know, Oh, that, that could be the true too. Maybe he, he also has the experience. He's just like, yeah. He's been he's around longer older. than most of them. Yeah. Um, he maybe Woody was gifted to him at an early age and he just grew up with them. And that that's why he was, he's always been his favorite and he's able to, to, I don't know, almost um, mentor the other toys of sorts because he has that experience. Mm-hmm. After uh, Woody saves the day, he he uh, takes out one-eyed Willie, gets past the force field dog and saves the day, saves a Bo Peep. Um, it, it then goes into the iconic intro to the movie. And, oh. you know, you got the Randy Newman that comes in. You got the uh, the iconic cloud 
wallpaper in Andy's room. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just kind of like... I wonder like, how many kids ended up with that wallpaper after that movie. I still don't think that life. was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, maybe like an actual like Toy Story themed... Toy Story themed room, yeah. Yeah, room. Uh, like you'll have like a Woody and Buzz wallpaper or like the Toy Story logo, but not so much the the blue the sky cloud. and white cloud wallpaper. I actually enjoyed how... Andy was running through the house because I'm just always curious about like how the house looks uh, in these these uh, movies and TV shows, and so it's it's showing you how the house is laid out and how uh, he he plays with Woody throughout the house, has him slide down the, the handrail and just face plants into the end of the railing right and catches him yeah. in midair. Once uh, Woody finds out about the the surprise birthday party, then he he relays the message to the rest of the toys. They start panicking because they're like, "Oh, it's it's always the the uh, the unknown that that kind of scares people." So that's when he deploys the troops, and they do that badass uh, infiltration mission, yeah, which I I loved, and that that, that was uh, of course you know Sarge like he's he's doing his thing, he's uh, calling he's the shots. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's it was so awesome because. You know, this is what you would you would imagine these army men, these green army men were designed to do as like missions like this, you know, scenarios yeah. like this. And uh, so they, they like parachute down and then they, they have like a jump rope that they they drop from the second floor. <laughs> and then so like the rest of the army men slide down and then they use the the baby monitor to uh talk back and forth, which was yeah. hilarious. They were just, you know, they just had the one-way thing going on because of the baby monitor. Right, exactly. So the, the room which was, them, which is realistic. The room talk back to them. And then um, you got the, the toys after the baby monitor in the bedroom falls down and then the batteries pop out. Like, that's happened to us before, you know, and we oh, yeah. have to put the batteries back in, but the toys don't understand how to do that. So they're, they're in a panic and, you know, tension's high because they don't want to miss any information. But then... Um, and he ends up getting like a bunch of uninteresting gifts for his birthday. I wonder who picked yeah. out those gifts because any any kid would be like, "This is stupid." I'm getting like a bedspread. The hell? I know. I'll thinking that too. No, no other toys. Not a single toy until mom comes in, saves the day, and she's the one that went out to Toys R Us or wherever, got the the popular Buzz Lightyear Maybe action figure. Toys. Yeah, that's what uh, draws attention. Or early on, and then I think that's when the the momentum kind of mm-hmm. begins to shift, right, away from Woody because yeah. he's he's like immediately starting to get um, just overthrown by this new action yeah, he figure. Gets, literally gets pushed off the bed and comes out from under the bed. Slides behind the bed, yeah, and then so yeah. the, the toys are, and that I think the, their reaction to seeing him crawl from under the bed that was really shocking because they've never seen him tucked away anywhere other than on top of the bed yeah they're all like what are you doing down there what are you doing under the bed and that was he was embarrassed what he was like uh-huh. it was it was a mistake it was a mistake you know i, I just yeah. accidentally got knocked behind the bed yeah it's it's funny i i think their their personalities because like i said the, you know there's there's like a whole hierarchy and so what is just comfortable and he's complacent being at the top i think he he kind of got in in more ways than one he got big-headed to go along with yeah. his actual <laughs> physique so <laughs> yeah he he's just like so used to being at the top and being untouchable that he's not used to having like any competition whereas the rest of the toys always had that you know they're always scared of being replaced and or being forgotten but what he's yeah, like nah i'm good like I'll, I'll never have to deal with that 
Yeah, it's I I think the the dynamic with uh Woody's jealousy and like how he's like he's fucking hating on Buzz so hard, talking shit and he's just like, so "Man, he's like, so what? You got you got a fucking laser arm, whatever, you know? That's stupid. It's just a a flashlight or whatever, a blinky light in his arm." Yeah. He's just like downplaying everything. With with all the toys being so self-aware, how did you feel about Buzz being in character, you know? How did that even happen to him? I don't know. Uh, at what point in his manufacturing did he get to believe? It? I mean, even the other toys were like, "Oh, I'm from I'm from Taiwan or whatever." You know, they knew. Yeah, exactly. They they, they knew well. they knew the deal. Yeah, but somewhere in the manufacture in the manufacturing of this particular Buzz Lightyear, or maybe they're all like that. I don't know. Uh huh. He decided that he was the real Buzz Lightyear and do could you, not be persuaded. Do you think that? all toys kind of start off that way. Like for some reason they, they're almost like programmed with some sort of scenario or like role that they play. And then uh, they have to become self-aware over time or, That's a good question. or is no, that I just like a special really case get, with buzz? I didn't really get that impression, but now that you mentioned it, I suppose that could be a thing, you know? Yeah. Everyone was aware that they were a toy the whole time. Buzz. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads me to believe, like, who was the first toy that became self-aware, you know, that had to be pretty much unjack everyone else from the Matrix and show them yeah, what was really going on. Yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Could have but... been like a pet, a pet rock in the cave fan days. <laughs> a pet rock. One aware pet rock. Hey, I mean, Forky became real once Forky, be, you know, was, was created. Yeah, that's true. So that's like if there was a pet rock somewhere. Could have been a living pet rock somewhere. That that could have been someone's Wilson. You know, he yep. just talked to it and that was his best friend. <laughs> or he tried talking to it. I I don't know if they actually had like any uh, way of communicating other than grunts and body language. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe drawing like figures in the, the dirt. Yeah, and obviously obviously <laughs> they're still aware when they're, you know, being toys when they when they, you know, collapse and right, freeze right. and become a toy, they're still aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And yet they don't show anything. And that is my question. How in the heck do they not show any emotion or any pain, but they're obviously feeling everything and they obviously know what's going on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That must have taken serious mental strength. How had you uh, like the the iconic falling with style scene? I sent you that little you clip that, when I watched in it. In the beginning? Yeah. That scene, is, that scene is, of course, amazing. But at the same time, I'm always like, man, this idiot, because he... He still thinks he's the real Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I'm more into the falling with style scene when he's fully aware he's a toy at the end. Yeah. And they utilize Sid's rocket and, you know. How did all all of that really just conveniently happen that allows him to be able to fly around the room and then land safely? Seriously. <laughs> he, like, jumps off with his eyes closed because he, you know, that's, like, one of the conditions is he was like, I can fly around this room with my eyes closed. And so they... They Woody pretty much dares him to. So he bounces off the the ball, which I think that's also um, like a, a tradition or like a running gag with Pixar movies is they use that same like yellow that with like the, yeah. the blue striped ball and like the red star in the middle. Yeah. So he bounces off of that and then he attaches himself to Molly's, was it like the airplane uh, carousel thing above her bed, right? Yeah. I, I don't know how he, he like snags onto that thing as well, but then it just detaches no and then he lands back he on the bed. Caught by his jetpack or something. Maybe he still had like some tape on his back. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, stands on the little car on the track and does a little whoop de loop and flies back up in the, in yeah. the air. And... Which 
is also, you know, that would be difficult to do because his wings were out and he wouldn't be able to complete that loop. No way. Th- yeah, this is where the whole suspension of disbelief thing comes in. Oh, yeah. For sure. But, you know, it's all it's all for the convenience of the plot. Of course. So that was his initiation of sorts. And then he uh, he passed with flying colors. All the toys are really impressed and curious, I might say about that because i think in a lot of ways it's kind of like when you're at work and there's a new employee and whether it so if it's like a girl you know the guys are like oh she cute whatever and vice versa if there's a new guy at work to like the girls are like oh you know is he attractive so i think in a lot of ways it's kind of similar there's like a new toy everyone's like oh i want to get to know the new toy and you're you're mentioning bo peep's loyalty she was even like hey you know i'm gonna kind of get to know this buzz guy like he seems kind of (laughs) cool yeah so yeah, she was tempted, do, if you know, if, if nothing else, she was at least tempted. Yeah, it's interesting, interesting because they definitely do treat it kind of like, and they do treat it like a job. I mean, when they all get together to discuss things, <laughs> moving they, buddies, they actually call it a, they actually call it a staff meeting. Yeah, and I was like, man, this is their job. They all they all have roles, and which I think was funny with the whole moving buddy thing because. Why do the toys think they have any say in who gets packed with who? It's going to be either Andy that's packing the toys, or it's going to be the mom, and yeah, she's deciding who's just, who's going with who. They, they just the best they can do is just lay close to each other and hope that they get thrown into the same box. <laughs> exactly, they, they'll just like wrap their arms around each other and they're like, "Don't let oh, us yeah. go." Well, just throw these in the box together. <laughs> Don't know how they got tangled up with each other, but whatever. Yeah. Um, what I liked about the whole Woody being jealous of Buzz and Buzz having a, a, an increased uh, popularity with the toys is that, you know how the Etch-A-Sketch had to work on that, that gun uh, drawing? Yeah. And so Woody even that. mentions, he's like, hey, you've been working on that. So when he sees Etch-A-Sketch now, he's trying to draw Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> And it and looks it all sucks. jacked up. Yeah. yeah. You, it only, like, vaguely looks like Buzz. But, like, it, it lets yeah. you know that and it takes practice. Buzz underneath, too. It, it takes yeah. practice, you know? Like, you, you can't just, like, immediately know itself. how to draw them. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was pretty funny. That was, that was a cute that little element to it. Detail. Yeah. And then, oh, man, it gets to the point where Woody actually gets severely demoted to the toy chest. Oh so that, that, was pretty, that was pretty sad for him. Even though Woody was kind of a jerk early on. That that part did make me feel pretty sympathetic for him. Yeah, but of course they had to break that up with a little comedy with a shark. Hi, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh, that was another thing I forgot to mention. Another feature that Buzz had, glow in the dark. Oh, yeah. And, and it was cool, too, because that. even the, the, the bedding and all stuff, the, the comforter, also glowed in the dark. Also glowed in the dark. So, I mean, that's, that's just awesome. That. You know, Buzz is just, he has so many too. damn uh, features. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they actually made a, a real-life toy, I, if, you know, I think so. I remember, uh, well, that, I remember that being one of the things I was checking for, and I believe it does say that he glows in the dark. I don't think because of the, of like the the design of it and the, the limitations, like how the jetpack holds the collapsed wings. Yeah. I don't think he comes with the karate chop action because how would they fit that in, you know? Yeah. And how would that even work? Like because his arm would stiffen up, and then he, you know, you have to keep pushing uh-huh. that button on his back to get him to like chop each time. That is an interesting feature. I, I think that, that would work. I take that back. The 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 helmet part. May not be the most difficult thing to recreate. I think it's yeah, the right. karate chop action. Yeah, because otherwise both his arms bend. 
I mean, in that case, I think maybe he will he would just like start like chopping with both hands, like a. I think yeah, I think Frankenstein. If he, if he had karate chop action, he would have to have one rigid arm because I know that they have features like that. You know, they have like the dinosaurs where you press a button on the back and the and you know the jaw springs open or whatever. Oh yeah, that's true. Do kind of that sort of thing with the karate chop arm, but huh. it would have to be you know the arm would have to be rigid all the time. It wouldn't be it wouldn't true. Can be a bendable. Yeah, yeah, arm, definitely. Like it is. Well, what'd you think of the? Uh, the murder scene, the quote unquote murder scene where Woody tries to basically knock Buzz behind the dresser using RC. And then he ends, he ends up missing. You know, I mean, as, as mad as I was at the rest of the toys mm-hmm. or, for you know, how they treated Woody after that, that was pretty shady of Woody. I mean, I know he didn't intend to, he doesn't want to knock him behind the dresser, not kill him. He just yeah. wanted to, you know, go to Pizza Planet. That's all. He, he wanted to he hide wanted him so that way Andy minutes. would be forced to take him to Pizza Planet. Yeah. Yeah. He did, he just wanted both to be lost for a few minutes. But he actually knocked him out the window and, you know, nobody believed him that he didn't. And it was one thing, it would be one thing if he just kind of like, you know, ran up and pushed, pushed Buzz himself, but to bring RC into it. Yeah. Was, was messed up. That's pretty shady because then he would just blame it on RC and then, but you know, RC can kind of communicate too. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't even blame that on Woody because you know, like you said, that was Woody didn't even knock him out of the window. Buzz himself kind of knocked himself out of the window when you think about it. Cause he could have just like moved out of the way of the globe that got dislodged, yeah. but like he like ran in the direction that it was rolling. And then he was like slipping on the, uh, the pencils. Right. And he was like, Oh, yeah. so then he um, dodges the, the globe hits the lamp spins around. And so I think that was he supposed to be a out. play off of uh, Indiana Jones, right. With the boulder, like yeah. them running away from the boulder. And so, yeah, spins around, knocks him out the window. And I must say, shout out to that Wilhelm scream. Did yeah, you catch I gonna, that? I was going to mention yeah, I did catch that. that. I did catch that. I was like, Oh, I have to mention window. that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Wilhelm scream. Every time I, I hear remembering. I always so notice it. Here's my question, though. They have these screams, you know, the Wilhelm scream and, you know, that one kid laugh that they use for everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. They're so recognizable now. Why do they still use them? It so, kind of ruins the moment for me nowadays. It, if it I takes you out of it. Or if I hear the, yeah, it, t- it just completely takes me out of it. They're the Wilhelm scream, I don't think it's supposed to... Uh, help you be immersed in the movie. You're supposed to recognize it because it's it's such a overused uh, feature in in movies that it's it's if nothing else, I think it's a a nod or a throwback to mm-hmm. just just like using, films you know, in general. That sort of context, you know, yeah. comedic, you know, kind of self aware context. Then that's one thing. But I I have still heard it used seriously here and there. And every time I do hear it, I'm always like, why? Well, I also why don't think do it's it, it's necessarily only for comedic purposes, but I think it, what it really comes down to is it's just like a throwback. It's like a nod, you know, to just like how far uh-huh. films have come. So I think that's all that is. Um, that, kid's, that kid laughter, that generic kid laughter, yeah, I don't think that's nearly as iconic, and I don't know why that's still used, but the Wilhelm scream is definitely iconic. It's It's super well known with filmmakers mm-hmm. and and a lot of audience members oh. yeah, I mean, everyone even knows his name we don't know the, well i mean at least you and i don't know the the name for that kid laugh but it's still recognizable yeah exactly what did you think of the the gas station scene because i actually felt like that was 
I'm surprised at how realistic that gas station was. They put a lot of time and effort into recreating that. I was actually more focused on the fight scene. And that was where I was. I started thinking about, you know, the, the pain that they feel or don't feel <laughs> um, because they were doing the fight scene. And, you know, there are parts where, you know, Buzz is beating Woody up and Woody's like, ow, ow, you know, making, you know, pain I was, sounds. And I'm yeah. like, obviously they do feel pain. And obviously they're aware when, huh. they're, you know, acting toys. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if, oh, and that's also an, an extra feature that Buzz comes with. He has a squeaky head when he gets punched in his head. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Every time something happens to his head, it always squeaks. And that's hilarious. That, that's such a pointless feature, but it's there and it's funny. Yeah. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that Woody could even beat up Buzz. I think Buzz is just, he has more, he's, he's more rigid, you know, so he has more. Uh, stability and i think his his hits would have more impact woody i think is just like really floppity same time but woody has reach woody would have more reach and he would have um more of the flexibility more of the i feel like he he has more of that softness he wouldn't feel it oh interesting okay obviously he feels pain but maybe he just you know he he absorbs it more he would he would outlast buzz because Mm -hmm. um just strictly off of durability alone yeah. right like it would yeah. it would take a lot more effort to actually injure and and rip woody apart whereas like buzz you could if he fell out of the seat onto the ground you know he, he, he may have like broken an arm or or yeah lost an arm or leg or shattered his his helmet yeah. part or wing would have fallen off whatever and imagine if he was made in the 2000s he'd probably fall apart immediately yeah yeah well when i when i say the the detail that goes into the the gas station i meant like the the overall scene the actual gas station the actual itself. yeah w- including the fight um the the big rig that rolls up and almost runs woody over because buzz that was smart one. he he just ran out of the way but w- i think I know, woody's what is in, instinct so is yeah, yeah his instinct is he always just defaults to to his toy state whenever there's yeah. any any human nearby so he he just like drops to the ground and turns into a toy mode, and then he almost gets his head ran over by the tire. I know. Like, I mean, it, you think? I mean, the fact that Buzz ran off that kind of goes with the whole he doesn't realize he's a toy thing. But still, yeah. Buzz turns into a toy when you know when Andy's around or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Into, into his toy mode, so there's some sort of instinct there. Even though Buzz thinks he's the real Buzz Lightyear, he still turns into a toy when when people yeah. around and he doesn't sit, think anything of it like he doesn't think like why is this giant why am i frozen? manipulating yeah. me like some like, sort your, of toy your leader has your leader has accepted me he wrote his name on my foot yeah but you know as a kid you don't think of stuff like that that's only for yeah. adults to to pick up on i love everything involving pizza planet the delivery driver the shitty toyota truck that he drives I just loved every bit of it, and he, see, you know, he sees the stupid like lo- logo thing that you you throw on top of the truck that has like yeah. the Pizza Planet symbol, and and so that's when that's he's when entices driving. that's what entices Buzz to even like get into the the truck was he's just like uh-huh. oh it's a spaceship, and so he thinks it's a legitimate yeah. spaceship, and then um, Woody's like yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah let's let's hop in the truck that's where we need to go anyway. I love how he buckles himself in <laughs> with a giant seatbelt because the, yeah. the pizzas are buckled in right in the front seat. And so buzz just kind of slips in uh-huh, buckles <laughs> in the back. And then Woody is just like, no, on top in the bed. And he, he just gets like thrashed by all the trash that's back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that also leads into how they infiltrate uh, 
on Pizza Planet, right? They they just disguise themselves as trash. Yeah. I loved even the entrance to Pizza Planet. You have like the the robots guarding the entrance and everything, and you have to wait for yeah, them to good. like allow you in, which is hilarious, but also not very convenient. Man, imagine if that place existed in real life. Oh yeah, wouldn't if, you just love to go there? That's that's what they should do with with Disneyland. They should make a legit Pizza Planet. I never mm-hmm. got why they had that in Tomorrowland. They have that, that like pizza restaurant, but like Disneyland. If you're listening, take it from us. We call the we call the the rights to that. <laughs> exactly. They yeah, that just that would blow my mind if they fleshed out the arcade and everything. I don't that think they have the room so for that. Oh great. Yeah. But they have. Don't they have a? I'm trying to remember, did they have a Toy Story section in California Adventure or something like that? Did they? Uh, well, I've never I've never they, been they in California Adventure, ride, but I think you but, might be right. Yeah, they should they, they should definitely, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. That would be amazing. <laughs> have a real pizza planet. So I wonder I if they thought about it and then just realized it was too hard to do. I don't know if uh, you... And then... I don't know if you caught up, uh, caught this, but this is also adult humor at Pizza Planet. But they have the whack-a-mole toy, and it's like the aliens popping out of the astronaut's stomach, yeah. and it's like bloody yeah. around the. I, know, I remember thinking like it's a little graphic for for kids. It's pretty graphic. Kids would have really picked up on that, but I I definitely picked up on it because Sid's over there like standing on the toy like trying to cheat, and then he gets yeah. mad at the game because he I guess he loses or whatever. Speaking of a uh, you know more adult references though. I- I thought it was hilarious that they took advantage. This is way later when um when they're at Sid's place and they're uh they're I, I think it's when they're trying to get the attention when Woody's trying to get the attention of them in, in Andy's room across the way the other mm-hmm. toys. I can't remember it was Mr. Potato Head and Ham or something, but they're playing was it Strip Battleship? <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> they're just taking advantage of the fact that Mr. Potato Head can take his parts off. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And um, it, it implies that. <laughs> Was it Ham? I think it. I think it was Ham, but it implies that he also, you know, has elements to take off too because he's wearing a pair of shorts. Oh, interesting. Which means at some huh. point he probably could have taken the taken those shorts off. But it's like, what else does he have besides that? I don't know. Maybe he, he had taken already taken his parts off, the other parts <laughs> off already. But I just thought it was hilarious. I was like, are they thinking playing strip battleship? Yeah, and Is it's it's funny because um he gets that that game for his birthday. Like it's like it's battleship. It's the oh, battleship right. board game, and and so they're actually playing it. They like they open that that board game themselves, so that way they could play it. So it's like toys okay. playing with toys, which is kind of weird. That's kind of meta. I know that is pretty meta. <laughs> they w- when the humans are gone, they have to entertain themselves somehow. <laughs> so when they when they jump into that claw machine with all those little green aliens, that was the only time I really saw the dated CGI. I don't know if you noticed it yourself, but those aliens look pretty rough yeah. and i think it's because they had to draw yeah, so many of them so i figured they were just copy and paste you know yeah i think so to to maybe save time and money so uh-huh. woody and buzz still look great they look really detailed but if you look at the aliens they look like really basic models like 3d models That's so funny and 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 how they they start approaching the the camera because it's like from like buzz's point of view when he jumps in and so they start coming towards the screen and they look really really bad in my opinion yeah. but to their credit, everything else in the movie looks top-notch. Yeah. Then uh, Woody and Buzz, you know, they they get snatched up by the claw machine when Sid is controlling it. And they actually get taken into Sid's house by Andy's house At least because Sid next door. so close to home. Yeah. Which is convenient for them, too. You know, they, they're close to home, but... They're in like the worst possible place because this is where toys go yeah. to die. You never, yeah. they even, they keep referencing like how 
once once a toy goes in, you never see them come you back don't out. Go out. Yeah. And it, it's even terrifying too because Sid's dog, Scud, I think is what the, the dog's name is. He he feeds him one of the, the little alien the toy alien. that he wins. Yeah. And so he just you 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 assume he just like rips it to shreds immediately. Yeah. But there I remember thinking, I was like, that's sick, man. Yeah. That yeah, it's it's pretty disturbing. That basically that whole bedroom scene is is pretty dark and, and kind of terrifying for a child. Seriously. But yeah, it's um it eventually leads to the point where they you know they see these these other mutated quote unquote toys, right? That uh they're like basically just Frankenstein together with like all these other random parts. And that's just what Sid does. He just like destroys toys and or he just fuses them together in really horrific ways. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't he put some sort of, like, doll on the front of a skateboard? So that's, like, his body is the skateboard now? Yeah. He did all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Like, there was a, there's a car that had arms, doll arms and legs instead of wheels. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the doll head with the spider body because that was, the, like, the leader. And, oh, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, the the doll and the, the pterodactyl thing that were switched, the heads were switched. <laughs> but they, they ended up fixing those. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I thought was cool. That was like a nice little uh, twist with those toys is because they, they initially assume that they're cannibals. Like they eat toys, yeah. which is like a, a strange concept. Like why would it, toys don't need to eat? So why would they eat other toys? But like to, they immediately just jump to that conclusion. And then it's like yeah. re- revealed later that um, because they, they've been through such t- torture themselves, they, they take it upon themselves. That's like their mission is to like save other toys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, so he ends up ordering another explosive because that's just what he likes to do is he likes to just blow shit up in his backyard. And so he what it finally comes do? in. He straps it to, to Buzz's back. And then uh, it's raining outside. So he has to actually wait till the next morning for the storm to clear up. So that gives Woody and Buzz enough time to, to be able to formulate some sort of plan. But this is this is also around the time that Buzz has his existential crisis. Because he sees that that commercial on TV, and he he finally realizes he actually is just a toy. He's not just the one true Buzz Lightyear. Boy, oh boy, he's just a toy. Mm-hmm. So he's just like depressed. He doesn't he doesn't know what to do with himself, and that's he he tries to prove that he he actually is the real Buzz Lightyear by flying off the railing on the second floor. But then he just lands on the stairs, and his arm pops off. But I loved loved the mrs nesbitt part and it, it's so it's so wholesome and innocent too because you know you just got sid who's just like so destructive and so so evil in a lot of ways but then his sister's just you know she's nothing like that and she's she's like very innocent thing. yeah and she's just you know she just wants to use toys like how they're meant to be used you know and it shows her imagination too because since she's missing she's down a doll she just picks up buzz in his arm and then just like straps on like a an apron onto him and like yeah. a hat and then just calls him like she yeah. just uses her imagination and like creates yeah. this whole new character from. That was good. Fun fact with Niz- Mrs. Nesbitt. Um, do you remember Skylar's dog? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where they got the name Mrs. Nesbitt. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also funny too dog. because uh, that's Mrs. Funny. Nesbitt was a boy, that's just like true. Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Did you notice too uh, in Sid's room, he has barbed wire wrapped around his headboard? Seriously? On his bed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this kid was de- 
like what the fuck what the fuck and the, the parents are just okay with him having like barbed right. wire I mean, he had all these locks on his door, too. Wouldn't that be a giant red flag? What were these parents doing? Yeah, really exactly. They, I think that's what they're they're uh, implying too was that he had re- yeah. really neglectful parents or maybe even abusive parents. Who knows? And so yeah. that that in turn made Sid all fucked up in the head. I think I would I would guess neglectful, but that would just, that would just mostly I just don't think that they would um, imply abuse in a in a in a Pixar film. Yeah, but... that that might be a little much, but definitely neglectful but for definitely sure. Neglectful for sure. And he was just lashing out. This was his way of uh he's like, you know what? Like no one pays attention to me, so I just gotta do my own thing. Yeah. What did you think of the elaborate rescue mission for Buzz? <laughs> I loved it. That was I great. think that might have been my favorite scene. Uh it's funny though because you know at some point Woody's just like, okay, I have a plan and then three minutes later there's this huge elaborate plan that there's no way they had enough time to come up with in just that short amount of time, <laughs> but it was still a fun plan anyway. I mean, it included, sure. you know, knowing the duct system and, and going through the, you know, that to get to the, the little light bulb by the front door oh, yeah. and ringing the doorbell and then saving the little car toy and locking the dog outside at the same mm-hmm. time, yep. you know, coming back through the, the gutters or whatever to get into the backyard, everyone uh-huh. hiding themselves in the backyard and then scaring the shit out of, out of us. Yeah. I only, I can only probably assume the fact that Sid's house is probably just like a copy and paste of Andy's house. So maybe uh, Woody was banking on that fact. And so he, yeah. he knows Andy's house like the back of his hand. So maybe he uh-huh. was just, he was using the, the same knowledge in Sid's house to, to be able to navigate it because they knew as soon as they came down the stairs, you make a hard left through the kitchen and out the doggy door, right to the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I even loved the just like the prepping. So they knew that as soon as they left the room, Scud was outside, you know, and mm-hmm. he was like ready to attack. So they they had to grab the quickest toy possible that was on the team, which was that frog. So that's when he was yeah. like, "Wine the frog," <laughs> and so like as as like they're like holding that frog back, you know, uh, and he's like fully wound up. Also, I think what what uh, advantage that the frog had was he was one of the smallest ones, so that would be hard for Scud to be able to to attack right out the gate. Like as soon as the door opens, it slips right under him, and so that's when Scud's like, "Oh shit!" and he's caught off guard. The frog's like going down the stairs, hauling ass because the Scud's like right behind them, and then the rest of the toys go out uh, because the frog's the distraction. Um, you got you got. Uh, as as Woody called legs, which is just like the Barbie legs with like the like with hook the thing, pole. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, they they're like through the duct, and they they find where the the porch light is up in the ceiling. They take that out, and then they they drop down. Oh, and they also ring the doorbell, so that way the door is already open. Which I think uh, uh, Sid's is, sister, yeah. yeah so Sid's sister. Is the one, yeah, that opens the door, and then she, she's like, hello? What? And she's all confused. It has to be perfectly timed, because she she's only going to open, leave the door open for a little bit and then close it, right? So she's like, she has open for a few seconds. The frog slips through her legs. Scud takes her out by just, like, uh, clipping her, the back of her knees, right? And so she just, like, falls on her ass. But, but yeah. I think what's important to note right here is uh, Scud needed to be outside, for plot reasons later on, which we'll get to. Exactly. So Scud is trapped outside because uh, uh, Sid's little sister is so mad that 
the stupid dog, you know, like knocked her down. So she just slams the door in his face. And so he's like trapped outside and he's just like laying, like sleeping outside, you know, waiting to be let back in. Um, the frog gets caught by, uh, you know, the friends and then uh, sucked back up into the, the porch light. And then uh, everyone meets up in the backyard. Um, I At this point, I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do because I'm like, how are they going to get Buzz away from Sid? And then that's when uh, Woody, I think Woody even mentions, he's like, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be kind of complex and we're going to have to break some rules, but this is how it's going to go down. And so that that's what Woody meant by we got to break some rules. Yeah. Was he had to show Sid that the toys were actually alive and aware. And so that, that was, was a pretty my favorite part. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy scene. And, you know, that's it's such an awesome scene because. By this point, they did such a good job of just making everyone hate Sid so much that when he he gets scared out of his mind and uh, he, you know, he comes to that realization that like these toys that he was uh, so abusive towards are actually alive and aware of everything that he's doing. And he just didn't realize what he was doing to these toys because he just thought they were just inanimate objects. Yeah, he was definitely scarred for life there. And that had to be my favorite thing to work with. And even the the presentation, like with the other toys, like presenting themselves as being alive, and so they're like coming out of the sandbox, and and they pretty much look like zombies. You know, you have like the army man with like the nail in his leg, and he's just like limping towards Sid, and Sid just runs away. He's, he's the, just the like crying. Out of the sandbox, the coming out of the sandbox part wasn't even part of what he planned. They just like improv that because later on, when it was like that was a good, that was a good idea, guys. Yeah, he was like, I love that. And also, um, it flips the script on Sid's relationship with his sister because he always tormented and bullied his sister, and now the now that he was scared of the toys, uh, and and his sister identified that she like uses that to like torment Sid now as payback for all the times that he's bullied her. So so I thought that was pretty interesting. So now she has, now she has a little ammo at this point, you know, we're at the climax of the movie. Um, Woody, Woody saves Buzz Lightyear. He still has the rocket strapped to his back, but um, now they, they just slip through the picket fence and they're like running towards the moving truck, which I think the, the moving truck actually just gets away. Right. Or no, they, they actually catch up to the truck. But but the dog gets Woody. The Scud, who is now conveniently outside of the house, he sees the toys running towards the truck, and so he's like, "What the hell?" So I think in a way, it's kind of similar to how dogs just chase cars, right? That the whole stereotype. So I think yeah. because the toys are running away, Scud is like, "Oh heck no!" and so starts chasing the the toys, and so Woody actually makes it to the the moving truck. And then uh, isn't that when a Buzz actually has to uh, he he gets snatched up by the dog was it the other way around? Buzz is the one that gets to the truck first. Yeah, I thought it was Buzz first, but I think you're right because Woody's the one that ends up you know opening the oh you right. back of the moving van and trying to appeal to the toys who are um, annoying as oh and so here, here's what happens so Buzz gets there first and he's trying to help Woody Woody gets snatched up so Buzz sacrifices oh, Buzz himself him. yeah, yeah so he sacrifices himself lands on uh, Scud's face. And like he like opens and like slaps his eyelids, and so Scud's just like really disoriented and like uh, whips a Buzz off, and he lands under the car. In in the heat of the moment, he he thinks like, all right, I'm gonna lift up the the door, I'm gonna get RC, and I'm gonna use RC to like bring Buzz back. 
And so he, yeah. he throws RC over the, the the edge of the the moving truck, but that other toys see that and they they think that he's trying to kill another toy on top of Buzz because they still think Buzz is dead. So then they throw Woody Ugh, off so of, off of the the moving truck. And so how quick they just went to thinking the worst of Woody every single time. Every single time, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they're this is just they're going off of what they what they know so far. They know that Woody killed Buzz and that now he just threw RC over the edge of the the moving truck with no explanation because he doesn't have time to explain anything. Woody is still controlling RC. He, he picks up uh, buzz and then like starts driving uh, towards the moving truck. Mm-hmm. Now scuds in pursuit of both of them. And then that's when they almost get, they run right through the intersection. They almost get ran over by like a million cars, but that was what was convenient about that was that was what neutralizes scud. So that way that eliminates that threat entirely. Scud's trapped by all the cars that crash in each other, so he's not able to go anywhere. The toys are home free. Scud's not uh, a threat to them anymore, and now they're gonna they're gonna catch up with the moving truck because RC's hauling ass. You know, he hits the turbo on it, and they start catching up. You know, they're just gonna explain that. Oh yeah, you know, but uh, it was all misunderstanding. Uh, I you know I didn't mean to knock Buzz out of the window, and I wasn't trying to kill RC. But then RC wasn't charged. And he starts losing battery. Or maybe it was that turbo that drained the battery. Yeah, passed. exactly. I, I like to believe that he RC could probably go a few few more minutes uh, under turbo. But it, it just seemed like he was, you know, like a lot of toys, like you play with them, but you don't think about charging him ahead of time. So I think he was a priority like half dead. Yeah. And so, you know, by that point, it just drained the rest of it. So now they're stranded and you think they are fucked. <laughs> did you yeah. at the, did you think that uh or did you completely forget about the rocket because as a kid i totally forgot that the rocket was on buzz's back even though it was like right there on screen i didn't think to use that as a form of like propulsion i'll just I say didn't oh, forget about man, the rocket, but i forgot screwed. about i forgot about the match that what he had mm, in in his holster and here's, and here's the thing you know they they get the match lit and they're writing lighting the rocket and then a car drives by and blows the match out and that's when i thought what the hell are they going to do now? They're fucked. Yeah. They're fucked. It's almost like they kept doing that over and over in a short amount of time. Like, they're like, oh, they're going to make it. Oh, they're screwed. Oh, they're going to make it. Oh, they're screwed. And they did that like two or three times in just that one scene, which was, was pretty yeah. funny. It's so, it's so frustrating, too, because you're just like, come on, why can't they catch a break? But I think that was all just building up to the climax of the movie, which was the rocket that was still strapped to uh, Buzz's back. So... And they actually used the helmet to magnify the sunlight. To... Which totally would not work in real life. Exactly, As yeah. scientist. It, it wouldn't. I can tell you this. Because it, it needs to be magnified, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty far-fetched, but, you know, for, for the convenience of the plot. Yes. So they finally, they finally light the, the, the wick, and then uh, they just get propelled like a hundred miles an hour straight forward. And I don't know how Woody was still able to hold on to RC during all that because Buzz is pretty much getting like propelled into the back of Woody, but Woody is like strong enough to be able to like take that and like hold on to RC. So they're all flying. They're like levitating off the ground. You know what though? You know what they left behind? Huh. RC's remote control. Oh, did they? Because Woody had that in his hand and he was he was 
controlling RC <laughs> with that, you know, pressing the turbo button, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But when, you know, when Woody grabbed on the RC and, you know, Buzz was holding on to Woody and they, they went off with the rocket, I actually noticed. I was like, where's where's the controller in there? Where's the remote control? It's not there anymore. They left uh, that behind. Yeah, that's, that's true. I don't think you ever see it again. RC's now useless. <laughs> uh, well, at least he's still alive, though. Because they're, like, flying towards the back of the moving truck. And you see, like, this is the awesome scene, too. Even before that, like, it's the whole, the memorable line. He's like, wait, that's a rocket. Rockets explode. And then they just, like, take off. But um, so you see, like, the eyelids and, like, Woody's mouth flapping in the wind. And he's just, like, his eyes are rolling back. And he's just like, ah! I just love that scene. That was, like, such a, a hilarious scene. And I just, even to this day, you know, many years later, I loved that scene. Just the attention to detail. Yeah. Woody, I think Buzz is still trying to kind of control the flight and, like, the trajectory. So I think by the time Woody releases grip, because I think he might be losing grip on RC, um, he angles upward. And uh, that that propels RC into Mr. Potato Head <laughs> and just, like, obliterates him. <laughs> that's so funny. All that's left are his feet. <laughs> But he's fine. He's durable. He's he's a he's a, a preschool he's toy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now now and Woody and Buzz. Actually Molly. No, no, he's not Molly's because Molly gets uh, Mrs. Potato. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's Andy's toy from when he was a kid yeah. or when he was like a little baby. So yeah, now they're like flying up in the air, and that that's when you're like, all right, they're dead. They're doomed. Rockets. The rockets gonna eventually explode, just like he always does when uh, Sid is is strapping toys to him. And then uh, you totally forget, as a little kid, you totally forget about the wings uh, being yeah. able to come out, and that severs and the too. yeah, that severs okay. the the duct tape that's wrapped around his waist, and so it, he they release from the the rocket. The rocket blows up. The fact that like Buzz is actually able to glide down using those wings was pretty impressive, if I say so myself. And and might I add that that triumphant music to go along with that scene just oh, made man. that that whole scene too. It That's just true. it, it kind of just gives you goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. When when you always see when you see actors, you know, acting their scenes, you see like behind the scenes clips of actors acting their scenes, and there you know, none of that, all just a blue screen behind them, and none of the music and all that stuff. I'm like, this is I guess this is why they get paid the big, big bucks to do that stuff because yeah, that looks so lame. <laughs> <laughs> just standing there in the booth, like reading your lines, and trying to emote and stuff. Yeah. Trying to sound natural. Oh yeah. It's probably a little embarrassing too, but you know they have to get past that at some point. Exactly. And it's weird too that they they film that stuff for like um, behind the scenes and special features and stuff like that. So you know they're they're gonna like add that on the the, the uh, box set once they I release that. So yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the movie. I mean you, it it gets into the epilogue where uh, now they've moved they safely moved to the new house. And uh, Christmas. It, 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 oh yeah, it's Christmas time. Yeah, everything's snowy. I actually feel like it seems like they Andy's family kind of downsized, huh? Because it seems like a smaller house. Oh, maybe. Or like a some sort of cottage or something. Maybe the rest oh, of the house was just what? buried in snow. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember if we ever find out what the situation with the rest of Andy's family was. Yeah. So. There's no dad, huh? Yeah. I wonder but if it was like yeah, some sort of divorce. A, maybe they had a downsize because of that interesting oh yeah it's true they never really get into that i wonder if it, it may have been too mature of a topic for little kids to be able to enjoy yeah well um, it's definitely something we can you know watch the subsequent movies and hash out yeah exactly or maybe i don't remember if we find out or not. 
Yeah, and it's you know it's it's like a feel good scene too though the epilogue because um, everything looks like really warm and and dec- uh, it's like nicely decorated for Christmas on yeah. the inside. Um, they're still doing the their uh, Sarge's mission, you know, with the army men like spying downstairs on the the gift wraps. I mean, I mean the the uh, unwrappings of the gifts. And um, it's a it's a great great strategy. Uh, and and you know they have you to know, do I it think... twice a year because they have to do it for yeah. for Andy's birthday and Three for times. Christmas. For Molly's birthday too. Oh, Molly's birthday, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if so, they care, I'm sure they um, they must they must care at least a little bit. I don't know, but because they mentioned the, you know Molly's potato head. Oh time, so. yeah. So what what'd you think of the that bit with Mrs. Potato Head? Because even at the beginning of the movie, Mr. Potato Head is wishing for that, and so yeah. he finally gets that Bob wish. Potter, yeah. Great. They become the, the quintessential old married couple in you know in later film in the next the subsequent films and stuff. <laughs> you know what's interesting though because obviously the move is a big part of the first movie, mm-hmm. but I never I never thought I always thought of it as the same house as the first one. Mm, yeah, that's true. I, I I don't pay attention to the house either in the other movies, so I wonder if it if they moved again or if it's still the same house. I imagine it'd yeah, still no, be the I same house. I'm definitely going to have to watch two now and pay more attention to that. House. At the end of the movie, Andy gets a puppy, right? Yeah. Even before that, uh, Woody and Buzz are joking, like, you know, like, what could be worse than, like, what we went through? And then uh, they remember their experience with a dog and how close they came to being destroyed by that dog. And then so now Andy has a, a new puppy that they have to worry about. And then just, like, zooms out on their face, and they're all, like, all nervous looking at each other. So Definitely that was, like... the kid-friendly, oh, shit moment. Yeah. I think that was, a, that was like, a nice little comedic, but also um, it, it leaves you guessing as to, like, what, what's going to happen now, you know? They, they didn't immediately announce that there was going to be a sequel. And I think it was a few years before they came out the sequel. So I, I don't know if it was ever intended but um, I definitely feel like that was still a nice way, even though it was open ended at the end. It was it was a nice way to wrap up the the whole story of Toy Story One. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is a good point. They probably didn't think that they probably didn't intend on a sequel, but it became an entire franchise basically, and that's nice. Oh yeah, definitely. Good for them. <laughs> Did you notice how short the movie actually was? Yeah. The movie's so I think only. I think that's pretty standard, an hour and a half. You know, it, it's less than an hour and a half. It's only like an hour twenty minutes. Hour but 20. I feel like shout out to the 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 whole team that went into making Toy Story because it feels like such a grand adventure, and they packed it all in just an hour twenty minutes. Yeah, I feel like there was. At no point did the movie feel rushed. I felt like everything uh, that was timed well they, and everything. Yeah, they they timed it well. They they flushed everything out, and I felt like they the the moments that they drew out needed to to be a little bit longer than other scenes, and uh, it, it just felt like really balanced to me. Yeah, it would be it would be nice if uh, movie makers could take some notes today. Because uh, yeah. it seems like there's a movie nowadays that's less less than two hours long. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I don't see all that. That's a wrap. That was uh, that was Toy Story. We uh, we went through all hour and twenty minutes of of that movie and then some. <laughs> you know, a lot of it though, it was, it was just us bullshitting. I know. <laughs> I was just I was thinking like, man, we've been talking about this movie for longer than the movie. That's true. But I mean, you know, it's yeah, you're oh, not, yeah. you're not always going to go in order, you know, and there there's certain things I think that stand out more than others, and so you want to make sure you address those first. And that's what I was, oh, I was yeah. actually talking about with Michael was, um, you know, we. In, in episode one, when we're talking about Tenet, we, we jumped around quite a bit, too. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've, 
I feel like that's just like the flow of how conversations go. There's there's certain scenes that that stand out more than others, and you know you're yeah. you're really excited of to course. talk about those scenes. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, this has been Affliction Autos podcast episode two, Toy Story. So if you made it this far in the podcast, then you've earned yourself a, a dilapidated coupon to Pizza Planet. <laughs> Although I, I don't. But, it's dated for back in 95, so I don't know how, how uh, much use you're going to get out of that. Might be expired. But congratulations. You made it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll this catch was, you guys next time. It was, it's been a lot of fun. And I, like yeah. I said, I had a blast watching the movie. I had a blast talking about the movie. And I, I definitely feel like going back and watching it now, as opposed to, to being a, a child, was that I, I was able to pick up on a lot more and and oh, what I what I noticed was from start to finish, man, it was still cracking me up. Yeah. Of course, you know, I still I still up. feel like the the visuals hold up, but you know the humor and the writing, that that definitely mm. holds up. If you don't yeah. own the movie, then I, I highly recommend it. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'll definitely go back and watch that movie. Awesome. So well thanks for joining me. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we'll, I'll be around. <laughs> and you know I'll do my I'll work my magic. I'll uh, tighten it up and then I'll, I'll let you see how it goes. Yeah, I look forward to it.